Welcome to our very first new and improved 2019 edition of On the Ground, version 2.0. Make sure you get the upgrade. Uh, On the Ground is a podcast for Hill City Baptist Church uh, members and alumni. Uh, We're happy to have all listeners here. Uh, It's our attempt as pastors to flesh out the truths of the Bible for everyday Christians living life on the ground. That's something we try to shoot for at least some episodes have been uh, less grounded than others, but that's our ambition, at least. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm here with Rylan and Alex and our long-suffering audio technician, Malachi McCavney. Um, I think you guys have probably uh, missed our introductory podcast banter over the past number of weeks, so mm-hmm. I just wondered if either of you have anything you need to get off your chest before we uh, launch in. Well, I wanted to know what is what is new and improved about this podcast. <laughs> it's it's 2019. It doesn't actually matter if there's anything new. It's just as it's, long as we say it's yes. better. Yeah. Because it's 2019. That's right. We're following in the footsteps yeah. of our fearless leader and prime minister. We aim, we aimlessly hope that it will have better content and quality of discussion. Yeah, we're not actually taking any steps to yeah. improve anything. We just hope that but 2019... By the mere acknowledgement that it's better, we're hoping our conversation will aspire to greatness. That's right. Okay, well, we'll move past that quickly. Um, but we're back with our kind of our second half of our discussion regarding uh, depression. Uh, huge issue in the culture, huge issue in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we laid what I think was some helpful groundwork in our part one episode. Um, and if you want to catch up on the discussion, that would be a great place to start. But mm-hmm. maybe to start out, um, one kind of aspect of depression is is kind of the the immobility and paralysis we feel in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's hard to kind of get outside of our head, get outside of, um, you know, the clouds seem so thick and close that, well, what's the point of doing anything? Mm-hmm. Any kind of ambition to, you know, move towards progress uh, can feel daunting and mm-hmm. and hopeless. And so we can just kind of tend to, well, I'm just going to sit here until things kind of, you know, miraculously start to get better. Yeah. Um, but is 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 that uh, a good place to be? Kind of being led and pulled around by uh, how we're feeling, and, and can mm-hmm. we hope for change when when that's kind of what we're we're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was helpful, and w- I think one of the biggest obstacles to to keep moving forward when we're depressed is that our, all of our desires are disordered in a sense that what we ought to be doing, we don't want to be doing. You know, it's kind of like our appetite for that that is good for us is just off. You know, the things that um, are good don't taste good to us. And the food that we need, we just, we, we don't want that food. And uh, it's not even always that we want terrible things, that, that we want awful things, at least in my, exp- in my experience with people and in my own life, um, it's, the, it's one of the biggest dangers is that we just don't want what's good for us. You know, it's, it's hard to get up. It's hard to get to sleep. It's hard to have motivation for anything. Um, and so one question I've had in my mind as I've worked through these things for myself. And one thing I've struggled with over the years is 
what is the point of doing something when you don't want to do it? If depression uh, changes our wants, and so we often don't want to do things that are good for us. I mean, just from literally your diet to your exercise to your human interaction to the work that you've been given, everything. If we don't want to do that, what is the point of doing it? And I think Christians especially might wrestle with this problem because we do think about our wants. We think about our desires. We think about what motivates our actions. We think about doing things for the right reasons. And the right actions are the ones that um, flow from the right reasons. And we talk about that. But when you feel in yourself that you are lacking that motivation, that you are lacking those wants and those reasons, I know I've struggled with, well, what is the point then? And is that just being hypocritical? Mm. If, yeah. if, if I wake up in the morning and I do not want to read scripture, I do not want to pray, I don't want to be with the people of God, is doing those things not simply hypocrisy? And, and, and hypocrisy is the worst thing. So that maybe what's the point of doing it? And that's a very paralyzing place to be. Before I kind of go into that, do you guys, do you resonate with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, Rylan? Say that last statement again. Sorry, I was trying to think Rylan of was in his else. thoughts. Say that last statement about the hypocrisy. Well, if, if, uh, if hypocrisy is, is, if it's hypocritical to do something you don't want to do, then are you just not in a constant state of hypocrisy when you're depressed? Because you mm -hmm. don't want to do a lot of good mm -hmm. things. And mm -hmm. therefore, what is the point? Yeah. I, I guess my first thought is I think everyone actually lives in that state of hypocrisy in one you're, sense. You're jumping ahead of us now. Right? <laughs> oh, well, sorry. That's but the auger steam coming out. <laughs> that's where my thought goes. It's just like Jesus says you need to deny you. Yeah. yeah. In one sense, we as Christians, the way we, the way we get through that hypocrisy is we recognize none of us, apart from Christ, wants to do any of those yeah. things. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think there, there's kind of been an emphasis in our culture on the most important thing you can do is be authentic, Yeah. right? And even in chapters, there's a large section uh, devoted to the raw and real side of human yeah. nature. And you just need to be yourself no matter what the cost. Yeah. But what if yourself is destroying you, Yeah. right? What if, yeah. that's, what if that's the reason? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th I guess I, I would say then just... A true authenticity would be an acknowledgement of uh, it's it's not it's not just something that happens to me necessarily that I don't want to do things, but even if I was feeling good about things, I, that would still be a sinful part of me that doesn't want to do those things. That doesn't want to. Do you know what I mean? I I do know what you mean. So we're we're jumping into the kind of diagnosis of this, but you you are on the same page that we don't want to be hypocrites. And when we are depressed, we don't want to do a lot of the things that are good for us. Yeah. And, it's, and it's understandable why people would be kind of paralyzed in that space. Um, so let's move into what you were talking about, Ryland, with, well, how are, we, how are we not hypocrites to do something we don't want to do or to not do something we want to do? How, how are we faithful? Sorry, I just wanted to, I'm just thinking, uh, as we're talking about, I think there's, there's definitely probably a number of people who struggle with depression who are paralyzed by um, 
fearing to be hypocrites. Yeah. I think there's a number perhaps less altruistic of people who mm. just, I mean, it's easier just to be carried around by your desires, yeah, right? Like it's sure. easier for a stick to just simply float downstream. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I know I felt that in myself too. It's oh, yeah. like, it's going to be, I really don't want to do that. It's yeah. easier just to be carried along. Absolutely. Um, but anyways. But, sorry. That, but that adds to it. It's helpful for for people who are struggling with that feeling of not wanting to and that, that weight of depression in those various stages to know that that is something that in its essence is common to all people. Um, Let's and that, talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Keep talking about that. <laughs> keep, keep talking about that. <laughs> I, what I, what I mean to say is, is it's helpful to know that this way that I'm feeling when I don't want to do something is not, um, even though I might be feeling it to a capacity or a degree that someone else mm-hmm. isn't, or, or I'm experiencing side effects of it that other people might not be. Um, it's helpful to know that you're not alone in that endeavor. Oh, yeah. And uh, obviously it's helpful to know that the Bible then speaks to that endeavor. Maybe I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great, Rylan. And so we're trying to say that that disconnect between what I ought to do and what I want to do is something that every Christian feels. Mm-hmm. And we feel that way because there is a battle um, yeah. in us in first couple I'll just read a couple scriptures and maybe we can comment about it yeah no I was just gonna say it's encouraging that only only Christians feel that battle yeah yeah um, the if you are just kind of floating around easy doing stream and you never feel the battle of wanting to do what's right there's a good yeah, chance you a, might good you might not be morning. a believer your heart hasn't been regenerated to see yeah. what's What's yeah. true yeah so rather than see that disconnect and that kind of battle within is a terrible, discouraging, depressing thing. Seeing mm-hmm. that as, you know, this is evidence that God is at work in your life. First mm-hmm. Peter 2, 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So the passions of the flesh are the desires within us. The flesh is us. The flesh is a part of who we mm-hmm. are. Um, those passions do not come from somebody else or something else. And so don't miss this. He's saying that we are in a war with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 15, similar kind of thing. Um, Sorry, is it not 15? Were you thinking about a different book? I'll jump in and say what you're looking for. Yeah, go it, ahead. It, it's it's interesting too that the, the the verse just before that that Alex read. It, oh yeah, it is. He's actually speaking to our identity. Yeah. As believers, that he says you're a chosen uh, people, a royal priesthood, mm. a holy nation. Mm-hmm. He sets up their identity in Christ, and then says, um, and it's these people who are this chosen, precious people of God, who are uh, in war in their yeah. soul. Yeah, and verse 15 is talking about their previous identity. As he who called you is holy, um, you also be holy in your conduct. And verse 14, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So the flesh in the Bible is a part of us, but it's it's the old part of us, the old man, and um, part of our old identity, but it's still part of our experience. And so as a Christian, there's a battle between the new person in Christ 
and the new man and the new creation and the old creation, the new person and the old person. And uh, what that means is that, that we will have desires within us that are conflicting. We will want to do things that we shouldn't do, that are harmful for us, don't glorify God, that do not love others. And we won't want to do um, things that are good for us and that glorify God and that are, are loving towards others. Mm-hmm. So back to the depression conversation, we don't need to feel as though what's the point of doing something I don't want to um, because that's hypocrisy because that would rule out every Christian. Mm-hmm. Because every single Christian, in some degree, faces that same battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe we could, um, as far as, as getting things on the ground, um, do you want to do the, that kind of habits, get on the ground with um, yeah. some, some different habits we can... So it's, it's all well and good to, to want to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are the mechanics of that? How, how do we uh, put things in place yeah. to be able to do so that? So basically, we're just trying to set up a category in your mind that you can do things that you don't really want to do fully, and that's not hypocrisy. And mm-hmm. that the, the doing of those things is actually what's good for you. Yeah. And that's not legalism, and that's not moralism, and that's not hypocrisy. That's actually done in faith. Yeah. That's the obedience of faith. That's saying that when I don't want to, I trust your word, God, that this is what's good for me. When I don't feel that it is, when I don't, um, when, yeah, when I don't feel this, I will trust, you know? And that is not empty hypocrisy and legalism. That's actually faith at work. So you had a, I don't know where you got this quote, but you said, um, doing is often God's remedy for despair. I think that was Piper. Was it Piper? Yeah. And that's just really helpful. You know, it's like, um, we, you think of when we're really sick, especially if you have the stomach flu or something, your appetite is just totally gone. And you, you, know, you don't, you don't want to eat hardly anything, but you know that you need fluids. You know, you know you need water, you need electrolytes, whatever it is. You need salted top crackers. Um, even when you don't want to eat those things, you still do because you know that that's what's good for you, even if it tastes horrible. And uh, often in the Christian life, and especially when we're depressed, we need to still give ourselves the things that are good for us, even when we don't feel like we want to. Um, These are the habits of faith. So one of the things I've found helpful in my own life is trying as best as I am able to stick with the routine that I have. Um, there's a strong correlation between a lack of routine and anxiety and depression. And so uh, if you wake up at a certain time normally, if you give yourself to certain tasks throughout the day, try your best as you are able to still stick with those things, um, trusting that that routine will prove helpful to you. Um, I've got some more things, but what, what habits do you guys think are helpful for someone who's struggling. I think last time in our last podcast, we talked a fair amount about how isolation is is something we will tend towards Mm -hmm. when we feel those um, depressive feelings and when we're, when we don't want to, um, you even mentioned at the beginning that one of the, one of the effects is we don't want to be around the people of God. Mm -hmm. And and I think the uh, adding to a practical thing we should do when we say, okay, well, we need to do these things is, is really emphasize um, being with the people of God. Yeah. 
um, that being around other believers, even even uh, sometimes I find seeing someone succeeding in a way that I find I am not yeah. is actually encouraging. Yeah. We often, uh, I mean, there's a sinful part of us that can sometimes see that and we, we become envious and, and hateful, but... But sometimes it's it's when we see that it is possible for God to help people um, thrive in their in their Bible reading, thrive in in their life, and 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 feel His joy. Seeing that can actually be an encouragement. It's yeah. it's. I'm not saying you know just go watch people who are happy and you'll be happy. I'm not saying that, but I'm suggesting that there is something about seeing that it is possible and mm-hmm. witnessing um, the power of God in the lives of other people that can be in, can bring hope to your own mm-hmm. life. I think part of that means be with the people of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says um, encourage one another daily yeah. and do not neglect meeting together. And, you know, going to be with other Christians when you don't want to, when you don't feel like it, when you don't see the point, when you think that nothing good will come of it, doing that because God's word tells you it is good for you Um is the obedience of faith mm-hmm. and trusting that God works through that. And being around people changes us in ways that we don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there are a thousand ways, whether it's the one you just mentioned, you know, oh, God's at work at these people's lives. Like Jesus is alive mm-hmm. or it's a word of encouragement that we receive or just the kindness um, and the hospitality and the warmth of human interaction. Mm-hmm. Or it's just the stop and the negative thoughts in our minds, you know, the distraction from the negative thoughts that we have, you know, putting an end to that. It's it's stopping listening to ourselves and listening to others. It's um, finding an opportunity to serve others, even in our brokenness and, our, and in our suffering. Um, you know, like I said, so many ways that God uses the simple obedience of being with other believers to help us. Can, can I be the guy that says also um, uh, a hug actually goes a really long way? Yeah, you can be that guy. Right? Um, you are the guy who will hug anyone. <laughs> you just wait for someone to hug okay. you, or do you go out on a mission to hug somebody? <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm, uh, all I'm saying is uh, maybe don't resist a hug. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll say that. Yeah, maybe. it's it's really awkward to hug someone realizing they didn't want that. Yeah, time. but but maybe you but know maybe someone... you have to take up that cross if it's for the sake of Ryland feeling better. Yeah, that I... is fine. That's all, fine. All I'm trying to say is there's like we we do have physical bodies. Yes. We are soul and body, and um, human interaction is a good thing. And what, you, what you're just saying, and sometimes I'm just amazed. Sometimes I'm depressed and encouraged, and a hug from my wife is an amazing thing. And even sometimes uh, you meet a, you see a friend that you haven't seen in a while and you greet them with a hug as opposed to a handshake. Yeah, no, it is true. It's a, it's an amazing, I don't, I, I think it's almost indescribable. It's oh, just our, our disembodied existence, yeah. our, our online existence and our, you know, moving away from people increasingly existence is mm-hmm. not good for mental health. So if you need a hug, I guess I'll be that guy. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I always think of that in the bell, let's talk, which I think is a great initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to also tell people like, get off of Twitter. Yeah. Like don't hashtag your depression. Uh, don't just do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you need to get offline. You need to go have a meal with someone to look them in the eye as best you can, to listen to their voice, uh, to receive a very awkward hug. That's mm-hmm. what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I, uh, 
I really want to switch, switch this to the other hey, side of that. You but can do uh, that. but let me. I want to throw in something else too. I was reading um, some stuff from David Pallison, who offers. I even just go listen to some of his talks on these things. He has such a gentle oh, and yeah, patient way great. of dealing with people. That's amazing. Fantastic. But uh, he was pointing to Psalm 25, and there's almost a pattern of, of thinking about uh, of how we deal with these things. And he, he, he says, first of all, you know, trust God alone. Like, be trusting, willing to trust God, and will be willing to trust God's people. Um, and, and then he says, be, be teachable. And uh, these are all prayers that uh, David is praying in Psalm 25. Basically, teach me in your way. And that actually, it's the humble who are willing to be taught and led in the way that it's right first. And, you know, be willing to open your Bible and let God teach you. And, and trust that God is good and upright and that he actually does teach those people. Um, I, I, it seems uh, uh, maybe... Again, we're trying to create that distinction where, you know, depression is not necessarily, a, it's, not, it's not a result of sin. But um, dwelling upon the fact that God has forgiven your sins and that your soul is saved in Christ is, can be one of the most saving things, like, to your, your, your moment. To actually think about the eternal and the weighty matters, I think, can, can um come through the circumstantial depressions mm-hmm. and the circumstantial sufferings. Um, and, and you see that in David's prayers in the Psalms all the time, that he says, consider my afflictions. Um, yeah, consider my afflictions and my trouble and forgive all my sins, mm-hmm. he prays. Consider how many are my foes, how they hate me, but guard my soul and deliver me and don't let me be put to shame for I take refuge in you. And then he says, may integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Mm-hmm. So he puts his hope in God, and yet there's things he's doing along the way. He's looking to God to teach him. He's trusting in God, and he is actually pursuing integrity and uprightness. And I think it's, it's helpful to put it in those perspectives. Um, now I'm going to just jump away from that. It seems like what we were putting the emphasis on just a moment ago in terms of being with people, there's a flip side of that. And the flip side of that is that as the community of Christ, the body of Christ, we also need to provide that for people. Yeah. Be willing to have people into your home. Mm-hmm. Um, find the people that, are, that isolate themselves and invite them out mm-hmm. to things. Get them plugged in, you know? Yeah. Uh, that, maybe I'm being that, too general. That's, but. that's key because I was just recently talking to someone who struggles with depression and... and uh, they said that was one of the the key kind of catalysts to get them out was one individual in particular who kept calling them and kind of kept um, inviting them over. And, yeah. uh, and eventually, it's hard because when you're struggling with depression, you, you want to resist that initially, mm-hmm. and you hope people will just leave you alone. Mm. But the, the key part of you know being in a, in, a, in a church and in a community is that that's not possible. Um, and, and while it doesn't feel good in the moment, like that is God's means of, mm-hmm. of restoring you is, is that kind of constant, you know, inviting, inviting out of yourself, get mm-hmm. out of that mm-hmm. wherever you are. One thing as well, we talk about, we're talking about um, kind of reactive measures, but even preventative measures. Uh Developing a culture where being in community is the norm, mm-hmm. is the routine of your life. Yeah. So that, one, that guards against um, despair and discouragement. Uh, but when, you, when that hits you, 
for various reasons, circumstances, biological, just spiritual, many, many reasons. If and when they hit you, uh, one, you have the routines to fall back on that are healthy for you. But even in your own mind, if you have never really been in community with people such that they know you, um, there's a, a level of care and support and bearing burdens. There's an, an expectation uh, that we will be around one another, caring for one another, knowing one another. If that's not the normal habit and expectation of your life, it's not going to become normal when you're depressed because that's the, that's the time when you least want it. And for other people, it makes it extremely difficult to engage at that point, right? Mm -hmm. If you are trying to begin a relationship with someone who is in the throes of depression, that is very difficult. Yeah. I mean, it is difficult enough to form meaningful, lasting, deep relationships. But I guess what I'm saying is the kind of relationships we need most when we're depressed are the hardest to form when we're depressed. Mm. And the encouragement is both for us um, to give ourselves to forming those as individuals and as a community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's something, I mean, maybe we could grow on even as leaders is, mm -hmm. is actually not just shaping. I think our church, we, we try heavily to emphasize meaningful membership and, mm -hmm. um, but even, um, a particular aspect of meaningful membership that trying to foster a community of people who are, who are actively trying to, uh, look for those people uh, who are suffering and who are needing someone to reach out to them and yeah. to pull them back into the community and yeah. to pull them out of their isolation. We need to, um, not that we all need to be biblical uh, counselors, but we do need to be counselors. That is like when you said encourage one another, exhort one another, mm -hmm. like there's actually a call upon us all to be counselors in a sense. And yeah. uh, we, we all kind of need to, part of embracing a view of community that, that supports one another and helps one another is actually being willing to provide some sort of counsel, a word of encouragement. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I just, sorry, just before I forget, as you were talking, um, I don't know if we want to get into it right now, but what do you, th what do you guys think of, um, you know, having certified biblical counselors and is there a place for that or is this something that short answer yes okay <laughs> yeah there's a there's a place to say um, we value people who are uniquely gifted in understanding and applying the word of god to people and i think that's a great gift to the church just as any gift that god gives is good for the church and the word is good for the church and teachers who can apply it is good mm -hmm. for the church i think that the uh, what we want to avoid is, so I, for example, I would love if our church, you know, that's what we all try to do. We try to meet with the congregation and teach them the Bible and apply it to the lives. Mm -hmm. You know, I would love it if there was someone, a gifted teacher, a pastor, who's done a lot of um, extra study in a lot of these issues, you know, and that they were set aside kind of more specifically for that role and meeting with people and those kinds of things. But what I would want to also encourage our church to do is to see the value and the benefit of the entire body caring for mm -hmm. one another. You want to avoid a professionalization. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our culture thinks, I go to my therapist. Yes. Yes. And there is no silver bullet for suffering. Yeah. There is none. And even good things, you can go to therapists, they can say everything is true. Yes. But that is not enough. And that is such a, a narrow view of our humanity yeah. and our existence. And it is 
we want a holistic view of humanity, a holistic view of how we live our lives and what helps us. Yeah. And, and there's been an encouraging movement within the biblical counseling world to kind of get away from the professionalization of that. Mm. But absolutely, I mean, more people who can understand and apply the Bible in grace and patience, the better. I was reading in Proverbs the other day when it says a, a brother is born for adversity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a way to read that where you think it sounds like brothers are just going to always be are, like hating on one another. But it's actually the whole point is like brothers are given to us for the purpose of going through adversity together. And 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 the idea there is is actually we need we need not just the particular person who speaks above us and to us, but the person who speaks beside us and with us. Yes. And and uh, brothers are given to us uh, for walking through adversity together. Yes. And uh, depression is just a yeah. kind of adversity. And how often has, I mean, I can testify, it's just been a simple encouragement or a verse, you know, shared from brother and sister. Nothing amazingly insightful, but it's like the spirit kind of takes that and sharpens it and, and it gets right to the heart of yeah. your mm-hmm. issue. and Yeah. And, uh, and there's two there's two levels to that. Like I'm thankful well for you guys and, and the kind of relationship and friendship we have mm-hmm. that we can we know each other. There's a, a knownness, uh, I'm making an adjective there, but where we can uh, speak I do that to, all the time. Where we can speak to one another's particular needs and issues. But um, there's been many times where I've just felt discouraged or just disheartened, not wanting to you know um, even do fellowship group. And uh, it's the person, you know, that shows up and has something to share that night that it just, it's encouraging in a way I didn't expect. That oh, yeah. That just the, the uh, interaction of believers, considering the hope we have together and, and looking at the scriptures and pointing one another to the good that there is in Christ, the yeah. power of the Holy Spirit. It does amazing things. And, yeah. and that's a gift of God. And make use of that. And be that for other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest obstacles if we're kind of closing on how do you how does a community help people who are depressed? I love that verse you just read about a, a brother is born for adversity mm-hmm. or is made for the day of adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the hardest things to do is to engage with people who do not want to be engaged with. And yeah. yet, and which is often the case when you're depressed. I mean, you just want people to leave you alone kind of mm-hmm. thing. And from the other end, uh, we want to be the kind of people who care more about the good of our brothers and our sisters mm-hmm. than than how we feel. Because um, it sucks when you're trying to help someone and they just, <laughs> not only they, do, they don't want it, but they don't like you for it. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's, it's like, it goes from, I want to help you and their response is, not only do I not want your response, like you're a bad person for even wanting to help me. And, and at that point, love looks beyond that. You know, love mm-hmm. looks beyond how I feel about your reaction, how I think this is unfair, and says, look, you are the one in danger. You are the one in trouble. You are the one suffering. And, like, I'm going to persevere through this awkwardness, through, frankly, personal pain, you know, and, and hurt um, to care for you. And that's hard to do. And a lot of people... Maybe we're talking about friendship here. Hey, mm-hmm. we should do a podcast on friendship. We should. That is a good. And uh, let me. Friend. I just found the proverb. So it's seventeen seventeen. 
a friend loves at all times yes. and a brother is born for adversity. There it is. So I think that summarizes maybe that summarizes the point everything. We're <laughs> like we need true friendships. True friendships that will persevere, yeah. that will love through uh conflict and love through all all that we face. Mm-hmm. And that's just very difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder depression is going through the roof in a world where people do not have friends. Yeah. Do not have real friendships. And friendship has been reduced to uh, an internet um, status. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or just superficial, like we're on the same team or we're at the same job or, or something. But it's not the depth of what friendship could be. Mm-hmm. And we need those relationships especially when we're struggling with depression. We definitely, we definitely need to table that All for right. a, a full next, discussion. Next podcast, friendship. I'm going to go read Lord of the Rings to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Was there any concluding? Um, do we well, want to briefly just, I don't know if it would be helpful just to leave some people with some helpful books, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. One each or. Yeah. Them? Um, there's, there's one so, by there's Ed, lots of good ones. Ed there Welch. Lots of good ones yeah. Ed Welch has written a book on depression. Um, we mentioned it in the last podcast. Yeah, I'm forgetting the actual title of it. Um, We're looking to you, Ben. I don't. That's bad air, right? It, there. In terms of what we've been talking about right now, um, and and moving forward, and the the wants and the don't wants, uh, Piper's "When I Don't Desire God" would probably be a good yeah. one. When the darkness does not yeah. live. Yeah, that's, that's a chapter I think from yeah. the book. Okay, yeah. that's a whole book too. Oh. Yeah. If you want to read about friendship, you can read Lord of the Rings. Yep. Um, I'll just come in with the vintage picks here. Uh, Richard Sibbs, uh, uh, 16th century divine. He wrote a book called uh, The Bruised Reed. And yep. um, it's a fantastic book. Uh, he's one of those guys. I think he's the only guy who ever looked good in one of those ruffled neck frocks. Looked great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, very, very encouraging, very uh, kind of tender um, advice. One of his quotes is, uh, a Christian conquers even when he is conquered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in, in the midst of that, in the midst of the darkness, it can look like, how can God use me? And how is this for his glory? And yet, right in the midst of the darkness and despair, uh, you know, God is he's, he's working all of these things for his own glory. Um, okay, well, we'll we'll tie it off there, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, meet you back here next time on On the Ground. 